Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and, and screenplays and screenplays and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Now, you may have remembered we said we were going to yeah, talk about so Godzilla's singular we point should last explain, time. We should explain, because this episode has gone through a lot of hurdles. Um, a lot of different iterations. So basically, uh, a lot of ins, outs, and what have yous. Yeah. So basically, what what our initial plan was, as we mentioned la- uh, last time, was to discuss Godzilla Singular Point. The but that show is, was too fucking complicated. It was too fucking bonkers, <laughs> and Brian couldn't finish it um, because it, it was too much scientific jibber jabber. Uh, to to quickly give thoughts on that, in case anyone was curious, I thought it was pretty good. Like, I like some of the characters. The animation's very nice. The monster action, when it does happen, is very good. Um, I like Godzilla's design a lot. Um, uh, the theme song slaps. I got to episode four, and I was just like, all right, the, the characters only exist to spout scientific yeah, theories. Yeah, that is, that I, is, I'm, that I'm, is my I'm, main I'm, issue. That is my main I am issue dipping. Is that, is that too much of it goes into wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey nonsense. Um... And it has what I call Nolan writing, it, which it, is where instead of giving your characters character things to do, you just give them more complicated things to say. You know? That's that's fair. I, I do like some of the characters. Like, I like Mei Kamino. I like Palo too. I like that old man who builds Jet Jaguar. It's the best use of Jet Jaguar in the entire franchise. I'll give yeah, it that. And, and then, after we decided not to do that, we were going to, yeah, we were going to roast yeah. the top 250 of IMDb, which we almost got which finished we, until got my recording. Until Brian's recording fucked up at the last possible moment. Right. We had to scrap the whole thing. So what yes. we are instead doing is what might be one of the either the dumbest or most brilliant thing we've ever done on this show. We have found what... the third draft of the Batman v Superman screenplay. Yes, this is from, this is dated, uh... 2014. Yeah, J- January, uh, January 19th, 2014, from Copyright Warner Brothers. Right. Um, and we are going to do a dramatic reading <laughs> of this. Of, of this. It's not going to be the whole screenplay. Because it's 150 We're going to do the first 50 uh, pages. Yeah. And as you know in a screenplay, one page is about one minute of screen time, give or take. Um, 
So yeah, this is gonna be fun. I will do the narration, and we'll each play different characters. Yeah, and I'll do in different voices. We'll be doing different voices. So this should, all right. This should be fun. Are you ready, Chris? I I, I believe I am. All right, Batman versus Superman. Parentheses untitled. Written by David S. Goyer and Chris Terrio from a story by Zack Snyder and David S. Goyer. Third draft, January 19th, 2014. Copyright Warner Brothers. All rights reserved. Except they're not going to listen to this podcast, so <laughs> fuck them. Uh, exterior, Arctic Ocean, morning. Two Russian warships, the Anatoly and the Cassipia, approaching a Russian oil rig in the Arctic waters. Interior, bridge, Cassipia, continuous. Karpov, 60. An intimidating Russian general captains the warship. His second-in-command, Uminsky, 30, stands at his side. Karpov to Uminsky in Russian. Hold this position. And you'll be Uminsky? Yes, General. Interior, cargo hold, Russian oil rig, continuous. 300 Russian oil rig workers are held prisoner in the cargo hold of the Russian oil rig. They are surrounded by Atlantean hijackers. The Atlanteans wear a combination of black wetsuits and armor plating designed like fish scales. Their faces are concealed behind masks. Their hands and feet are bare. They wield strange weaponry which hum with energy. Oksana, 40s, a hardened female oil rigger worker, cradles a frightened young female oil rigger, Lucia, early 20s, who sobs in her arms. It's okay. It's okay, says Oksana in Russian. Mira, a tall, beautiful red-headed Atlantean, walks past them and speaks with one of her warriors. He bows to her and leaves. She walks toward a tall man with long flowing hair who sits on top of a stack of crates like a king on a throne. He is dressed in armor. In his right hand, he holds a long golden trident. His left hand is shimmering and blue as if made of water. This is Orin, king of the Atlanteans, and you'll be Mira. Orin, the surface dwellers approach. Orin steps off the crate, which are marked Meravale. Orin in Atlantean. Order the warriors to set the charges. And the prisoners? They are pawns. When, when the charges are set, put them in their lifeboats and release them. He smiles. In the meantime, let us welcome our guests. He leaves the cargo hold. Mira stays to watch over the hostages. Exterior platform Russian oil. I like to put out, this is so not like the beginning. Yeah, this is a completely BBS. different movie. <laughs> Right. That's what makes it so interesting is that this this draft is like an entirely different movie. You know, it's so different. Um, not necessarily better, just different. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a little better so far, but <laughs> exterior platform, Russian oil rig, Arctic continuous. Two Russian helicopters hover above the main platform. A squad of twelve Russian commandos rappel down onto a platform. Their machine guns raised and ready. Orin emerges onto the platform, followed by a squad of his warriors who carry with them large cannon-like weapons. Get in formation. I'll attend to these. The king walks toward the commandos who aim their guns at him. And the commando leader. Uh, you'll be the commando right. leader. Drop your weapons and get down on your knees! Why does he have a southern accent if he's Russian? I was trying to do... I was trying to do Arlie Ermey. <laughs> <laughs> and then Orin says in Russian... I need a bit for no one. You see, when you can't speak in Russian, you just gotta do the Russian accent. Uh, well, I, I he, don't. I don't. I, well, given the nature of this, I just want to do the most fun voice possible. 
Zdradzvutsa. He slams the hilt of his trident down. A commando notices the Atlantean warrior placing a cannon on the rail at the edge of the platform and pointing it towards the warships. Commando. Stop! The commando fires his weapons. The bullet bounces off the Atlantean armor, but one penetrates the warrior's leg. He buckles and falls to his knees. You see, in, in a screenplay, all the action words that are supposed to direct how the, sh the scene is shot... They're are, in all caps, are, are, yeah. They're in all caps, right. Uh, so that's why I say certain words differently. With superhuman speed or in attacks before the commando can even react. He jumps high into the air and lands in the middle of the commandos. With lethal efficiency, he dispatches the commandos, slicing their arms and stabbing them through the legs with his trident. He kicks the commando leader clear across the platform. The rest fall to the floor, disabled and in pain, but alive. The cane turns to his warriors and nods. Atlantean warrior, that'll be you. Open fire! The warriors place the cannons on the rail and fire onto the Anatoly. Blue bolts of destructive energy fire towards the warship. The energy impacts the hulls of the ship, sending the waves of energy through the vessel, which incapacitates the crew, who crumble to the floor, unconscious. Interior, bridge, Cassipia, continuous. Karpov sees the other warship being disabled. To Uminsky, call in the fighters. Uminsky activates his radio. Exterior, sky, arctic waters, continuous. Three Russian T-50 fighter jets fly high above the arctic water waters. Waters. <laughs> Interior, T-50 jet, flying, water, arctic waters, continuous. The pilot listens to his orders. Pilot, that'll be you. What are my orders? Uminsky, that's also you. Requ <coughs> Request immediate attack, terminate the hostiles. Pilot. Affirm it. The pilot pauses as he sees something outside of the cockpit. Exterior, T-50 jet, flying, sky, arctic waters, continuous. Two familiar red boots walk up the nose of the jet towards the cockpit. Oh the, pi the pilot looks up as a red cape billows outside the jet. Exterior, bridge, Casapia, continuous. Uminsky and Karpo Karpov watch as the T-50 fly past without completing the airstrike. This is your line. Into the radio. Request immediate attack. Repeat, immediate attack. There is no response. No response, sir. Karpov sucks his teeth. And ponders his <laughs> options. Uminsky looks to the sky and his eyes widen. Sir! Karpov looks up. Interior platform, Russian oil rig continuous. Also, when we say continuous, that means it's scene to scene. So this isn't, um, this is shot to shot within the same scene. And when, um, it doesn't say continuous, that means there's a break in the scene. So it's starting a new scene. I'm trying, I'm trying to explain for people that don't know how screenplays work. Yes. Um, yeah. So Orin and his warriors look to the sky as they hear the crack of a sonic boom. A red and blue blur crashes down through the complex. Orin smiles. Sky dweller. Interior, cargo hold, Russian oil rig, continuous. The red and blue blur, blur smashes down through the ceiling, down onto the floor. The hostages scream and cower as the Atlanteans raise their energy weapons. Mira calmly steps backwards and takes cover behind the bulkhead doors and watches. The debris and dust settle, and standing on the dented floor in the middle of the cargo hold between the hostages and Atlanteans is the Man of Steel, Kal-El, Superman. That is kind of like his introduction in in, in, in BDS, Except, but more in the dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> and also what better the dream than... the sequence is going to be in this? And also, it's, it's kind of low-key better than either of those scenes. Right, yeah. 
Um, an Atlantean warrior rushes Superman with his weapon raised. Superman, calmly. Uh, should who? Which one of us should be Superman? I'll be Superman. Um, okay. I put those toys away. Hoot hoot. Uh, the, the the hoot hoot is it was added by me because I'm doing this in my hootie voice. <laughs> hootie the blowfish. Hootie no, the blowfish. No, no, not Hootie the blowfish. Hootie from the Owl House. Yeah. I see. Superman grabs the barrel of the weapon and crushes it with ease. The other Atlanteans open fire. Bolts of crackling blue energy strike Superman repeatedly. I guess that means I have to play Batman. Okay. Okay. He staggers back as the energy passes through his body. He shakes it off. Superman continued, bemused. That's new! Superman tries to pull the weapon away from the Atlantean, but to the Kryptonian surprise, the warrior resists. The warrior seems to be smiling beneath his mask. Superman pulls harder, and the Atlantean is yanked off his feet entirely and tossed aside. Superman, then with superhuman speed, attacks the remaining warriors as they open fire on him again. On his again. I think that's a typo. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he deflects their energy bolt and disarms them, destroying their weapons and scattering their parts across the cargo hold. He crisscrosses the interior of the complex, subduing the warriors before coming to a halt in front of the hostages. They recoil from him and cower. Superman continued. Don't be afraid! I'm here to out help, Hoot Yes. Lucia stands up and walks up to the Man of Steel and looks into his kind eyes and places her hand in his. In English, there are others. I know! I'll take care of them! Can you lead these people to the lifeboats? She nods. Superman smiles. Superman continued to Mira. I've given you once! I'm pretty sure that's a typo for one! Chance to surrender, Hoot Hoot! That's more than those warships will! Imagine, imagine, like, uh, <laughs> Henry Cavill in his serious voice going, I'm giving you once chance to surrender. <laughs> <laughs> or an OS in English. Um, How many will they give you? Superman looks up through the hole in the rig's roof. Standing above him, looking down upon him, is Orin. Orin continued, Before they kill you. Superman lifts off the lifts off the floor, <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> and floats up through the hole and hovers over Orin before landing to face him. That, yes, they and, only killers. That's probably another typo. Uh, here are you and your terrorists. Disarm the bombs you've planted. Hoot! I don't kill without justifications. Gestures to the warship. Unlike them, the people here are innocent. And I will release them, gestures to the rig. Destroy this abomination. I can't allow you to do that! Their machines poison my oceans, ruin the earth. There is nothing in this world but rot and decay and death, points Trident at Superman. And you would be its champion? I would be its protector. I'd also like to point out that for both of these, they used the wrong version of its, because it's apostrophe yes. S. Um, which is, it is. So it's, it is champion, and it is protector. And you would be at his champion, I would be at his protector. I would be at his protector! Why? Humans hate what they don't understand, and they can never understand someone like you. Softly. I know this. You've been destroying all its, you've been destroying oil installations all over the planet! This has to stop! I will never stop. I do this to protect my people, like you protect theirs. <laughs> Superman sees the Atlanteans on the platform charging up their energy cannons. Before they can fire, Superman uses his heat vision to destroy the cannons. 
The warriors are sent hurtling backwards through the blast. Orin strikes Superman across the jaw with the hilt of his trident and then stabs it toward his chest. Superman catches the trident as Orin lunges forward, driving Superman backwards. Superman steadies himself. He looks at Orin's shimmering left hand. What are you? More like... <clears throat> more like you than they can ever be. Superman grips the trident and swings Orin over his head and smashes him down into the platform floor. Orin flips to his feet and slices the trident across Superman's chest, cutting three slashes into the symbol of hope. Superman and Orin charge at each other. Interior bridge, Cassiopeia continuous. Uminski watches as Superman and Orin battle on top of the platform. Karpov is on the radio, awaiting orders. Uminski to himself in awe. They are gods! Karpov receives his orders. Karpov to Uminski. Open fire on the installation. That would sink. Uminski, reluctant. That would sink it. There are 300 civilians on board. Do you have your orders? Uminski takes a deep breath. Uminski, firmly. No. Karpov turns, gestures two sailors to remove Uminski from his bridge. Disgruntled. Get this coward out of here. Exactly disgusted. Um. Disgusted. Get this coward out of here. Uminski is escorted out. Karpov, firmly. Open fire. Interior. Platform. Oil rig. Continuous. Orin is sent skidding backwards across the platform. He stabs his trident into the floor to stop his momentum. He smiles. Orin, you're holding back. Because I don't want to kill you! Jeez! Hoot! The roar of artillery fire fills the air. A shell impacts the installation. The explosion shakes the oil rig. Another shell detonates between Superman and Orin, separating them. Superman jumps into the air and flies toward the warship. Interior bridge, Cassiopeia continues. Karpov sees the Man of Steel approaching. Karpov, frantic. Fire! 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 Exterior, Arctic waters, continuous. The warship open fire on Superman, who punches the shells from the sky and flies over the warship and uses his heat vision to destroy the artillery cannons and then dives down through the bridge. Karpov throws himself to the floor on impact. Superman stands over the terrified general before he can do anything. He hears the screaming of the oil rig workers. He leaves and flies back towards the crippled rig. Interior, hallway, oil rig, continuous. He lands inside and lands in a smoking hallway. He hears some struggling. He swiftly follows the sound. Mira is pinned beneath a fallen bulkhead door. Her stomach has been wounded. She's bleeding heavily. Superman lifts the door off of her and takes her in his arms and flies her out of the hallway and onto the platform. He lays her down gently. I can help you. Please trust me. He uses his heat vision to cauterize the wound. She grits her teeth, trying not to scream. Superman finishes and she goes limp. Superman looks up Didn't from Mira and... did they do that exact scene in Man of Steel? Yes, they did. <laughs> Superman looks up from Mira and sees Orin watching him. Behind him, his warriors stand weapons ready and aimed at the Man of Steel. Superman stands. She needs help! Take her and leave! Orin straps his trident across his back and lifts Mira gently in his arms. As he leaves, he looks back at Superman for a moment. Orin dives off the platform into the ocean and swims at amazing speed into the depths. His warriors follow. Suddenly, the oil rig is rocked by a huge explosion at its at its base and begins to tilt and sink into the ocean. Um... I point out, even though this is a more interesting start than the start of BBS, they are doing the whole uh, Superman is hero of the common man and the people that care about the environment are, are kind of the bad guys thing. <laughs> mm. 
AKA Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters. Oh, you mean peak cinema. <laughs> yes. Uh, interior cargo hold. Russian oil rig. Continuous. Water rushes into the cargo hold and engulfs the workers. Oksana grabs Lucia and stops her from being dragged away by the current. Interior platform. Russian oil rig. Arctic waters. Continuous. Superman flies up into the sky, then down into the ocean. Interior cargo hold. Russian oil rig. Continuous. The workers are totally submerged, and the seconds are second and and seconds and, and away from seconds. death. <laughs> the oil rig shakes, and the water levels begin to drop. The workers gasp for air. Exterior, Russian oil rig, Arctic waters, continuous. The oil rig rises from the ocean, carried by Superman, who slowly carries it to the nearby iceberg and places it down as softly as possible. Interior cargo hold, Russian oil rig, continuous. The workers scream... As the oil rig lands. Exterior Russian oil rig. Iceberg continuous. Superman breathes heavily. Why are you here? Orin stands behind him. Leave them. They will destroy you if you don't. Superman faces the king. It's their nature. The workers start to flow out of the oil rig. Superman looks toward the warships and walks past Orin. You'd better hope we don't meet again. Superman leaps into the air and flies toward the warship. Orin watches him as he departs. Orin, respectful. We will, brother. We will. Interior deck, Casapia, continuous. The crew of the warship, including Karpov and Uminsky, are on the deck. Superman lands on the deck and marches towards Karpov. There were 300 innocent people on that rig! Is Please! that a 300 reference? Uh, I think that's a 300 reference. <laughs> Yes, I think so. Uh, Karpov, in Russian, terrified. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Superman pauses. Does anyone speak English? Uminsky raises his hand. These people need help and medical attention. See that they get it. Here's the thing. Superman is super strong, super speed, extremely intelligent, but he doesn't know other languages other than English. I'm fairly certain that's... That is not the case in the in the comics. I'm fairly certain he's at least multilingual. In the right, comics. that would make more sense. Yeah. I mean, he had to learn English. Um, anyways, Uminsky nods and relays Superman's orders to the crew. Who ordered the attack? Uminsky doesn't say anything, but looks toward Karpov. Is that so? Cut to Karpov yells obscenities in Russian. He has been wrapped up in the metallic remains of the warship's bridge. His feet hang comically above the deck. Exterior, Russian oil rig, iceberg, continuous. Oksana and Lucia watch as Superman disappears into the heavens. Lucia in Russian. Superman. Exterior, sky, arctic waters, continuous. Superman flies high above the arctic, picking up speed as he comes toward the Pacific Ocean and skims at supersonic speed across the water. He spins as he gains altitude and enters the stratosphere, breaking the sound barrier. Exterior, space, moments later. Oh. Superman slows down as he looks upon the Earth. He takes in the sight for a moment before descending back towards the United States. Floating in the distance is a LexCorp satellite. Interior, dark room. So here's our first instance of LexCorp. Oh, LexCorp, yeah. Interior dark room. A man sits cross-legged on a desk in a dark room with his back to us. He is a black silhouette against an array of computer screens which are monitoring the scene in the Arctic and show blurred images of Superman flying through space. Are they really doing the mysterious villain watching through screens thing? I mean, that's 
seems that that's a better direction than what they did with Lex Luthor in the actual movie. <laughs> Anyways, he is monitoring the scene from the Arctic, showing blurred images of Superman flying through space. The screen goes blank, and the room goes black. Exterior, barn, Kent, farm, evening. This is a new scene. Yes. Martha Kent walk towards the barn. Her dog jumps is bus is her dog jumps is by her side. <laughs> That's uh, that's definitely a typo. Is the dog's name Jumps? I think uh, it's I think it's just supposed to be her dog jumps by her side. Right. She opens the barn doors and enters. She tries to pull open the trap door when the dog starts barking and she hears a familiar swooshing sound. Martha smiles. How come you always show up at dinner? Standing in the doorway is her son, Superman Clark Kent. Clark. Good timing. Martha, sarcastic. Sure. Tugs on the trapdoor. Well, don't just stand there. Help me with this. Her son smiles and pulls the trapdoor open, and they both walk down the steps into the dark room below. Don't ask why I'm giving her a southern accent. She's not from the east coast, which means she's from the south. Well, I mean, you um, see, I mean she is from Kansas. <laughs> yes. Uh, her son smiles and pulls the trapdoor open, and they both walk down the steps into the dark room below. Martha switches on the light and reveals the room, which is very different from when it's used to conceal Clark's spacecraft. Pasted to the walls are hundreds of newspaper clippings of her son's exploits all around the world. You've been busy, Hoot Hoot! I, I come down here, her, a lot these days. I'm turning into your father, smiles. When he wanted to be alone, he come down here. It was his... Fortress of Solitude. I get it! <laughs> Clark sees an old... <laughs> That's a bad reference. Clark sees an old framed photo of himself and his father on the workbench. He picks it up and stares at it longingly. It's clear he still misses him. Why? Mar <laughs> Martha leans her head against his shoulder and looks at the photo. Martha, continue. He'd have been so proud of you, Clark. He was proud of you. Puts the photo back down and looks around at all the clippings. If only the rest of the world shared his opinion. They will. They just don't understand you right now. Or what happened to Z with Zod. Clark's face hardens at the mention of Zod. Look around you. Look at all the great things you've done and the people you've helped. But you've only put up the good things they say about me. Clark, honey... If I were to use the bad things they say, I could cover the barn, the house, and the outhouse. We still have an outhouse? They laugh. Martha hugs Clark and lays her head against his torn symbol of hope. Things will change. Someday the whole world will see you for what you are. Just like I do, and your father did. When you say it, I believe it. That's right. Loosens her grip and looks him in the eyes. Now let me fix you some dinner. That's okay, Mom. Oh, can it? We do this every time. I already have a plate out. Okay, okay. She lets him go and starts to march up the steps. Martha, and take off that damn beat-up suit. No capes at the table. Elvis wore a cape. You love Elvis. Elvis was Elvis. He could wear anything. Clark smiles and follows his mother. Interior, kitchen, house, Kent Farm, later. 
Clark dresses in a shirt and jeans and is in the kitchen washing the dishes while Martha sits on the couch in the living room watching a talk show. Hurry up, Clark. Lois is on. Clark puts the final dish down and walks to the living room and leans against the doorframe. On the television, TV talk show host Cat Grant, a buxom blonde with an ice white smile, hosts a debate. I remember her from, from the Supergirl TV show. Right. A debate between Lois Lane and Morgan Edge. A slick young PR executive. I know him. He's on Superman and Lois. (laughs) Interior, WBGS-TV studio. Continuous. Cat smiles at the camera. Cat. Good evening. I'm Cat Grant, and joining me tonight on our panel is Pulitzer winning reporter for the Daily Planet, Lois Lane. You'll be Lois. Hold on. I'm trying to figure Glad to be here, Cat. Are you doing Kermit the Frog? Yes, I'm doing Kermit the Frog. So, so this is going to be a grand romance between Hootie and the Blowfish and Lo- no, and, no, no, and, uh, not Kermit Hootie the Frog. and the Blowfish. It's Hootie the Bird Tube. <laughs> Hootie the Bird Tube x Kermit the. I, I okay. If I were if I were accurate to the Owl House fandom, I would make Lois the Duolingo Bird, because, uh, but I don't know if that thing has a voice. So, well, it's definitely killed people. So wait, the Duolingo Bird has killed people. Yes. Yeah, let me see the way it harasses you. <laughs> no. I... Anyway, interior living room, house, Kent Farm, continuous. Martha, impressed. She looks good on TV. <laughs> interior, WBGS TV studio, continuous. And <clears throat> and to her left is Morgan Edge, PR executive to Metropolis's own LuxCorp, the world's leading conglomerate and virtual economy, all by itself. Lovely to have you here. Oh, uh, Edge. Oh. No, wait, I need to be Edge. Oh, you're gonna be Edge. Okay. Always a pleasure. <laughs> My name is Edge. That's not in the script. <laughs> so, Lois, I'll start with you. It's been almost a year since the attacks on Metropolis, and in that time, you've been very vocal proponent in the media for the being known as Cal L as an ally to Earth. Mm, I believe Cal L is being portrayed unfairly in the global media and as a witness to what transpired before and after the events in Metropolis. I have no doubt in my mind that Kal-El can and will aid humanity in ways that I understand the population are finding difficult to accept right now. Morgan, Yor, and LexCorp have a different viewpoint. Edge. We share the same view as the majority of the world in that there is no evidence that this Superman isn't a very real threat to the human safety of every single human life on this planet. I disagree. (laughs) Just look at the good works he's done, not just in the U.S., but around the world in the last year. By good works, do you mean breaking international law (laughs) and causing incident after incident? Cat, just tonight we are getting reports that he attacked Russian military personnel in Russian woods. I like how you're putting on a Batman voice for the character who isn't Batman. (laughs) Well, his name is Edge, so my my thought immediately went to the wrestler Edge. Oh, I see. You think you know me, who doesn't sound like that. But then I started to think of Bonesaw, so. Interior living room, Kent Farm, continuous. Martha looks at Clark. You were in Russia? How was it? I agree. Interior, WBGS-TV studio, continuous. Edge. Oh my god, this is so much dialogue. I didn't know he'd have so much dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) The Russian president is furious. As long as we harbor Kal-El, it looks like we are condoning his actions while he's flying around, dishing out his own brand truth and justice. The Russian government is accusing us of aiding the terrorists. But Miss Lane would have you believe that he's a hero. (laughs) 
Hey ho. Lois to Cat. <laughs> hey ho. The United States government conceded that Kal-El not only saved millions of lives here in Metropolis, but also the entire planet. Oh my god. <laughs> Edge. Yet Miss Lane, he couldn't save the 5,000 people that lost their lives right here in our city. A death toll that would have been larger had it not been for the efforts of the city's police and emergency <laughs> workers. And what part is Kalel playing in the reconstruction of the city? None. It is LexCorp that is fixing that damage that he ultimately caused. This is honestly a much better addressal of the Man of Steel climax than Batman vs. Superman <laughs> actually did. I'm honestly kind of mad that they that they cut this from the movie. Lu uh, Lewis. Lewis. Dismiss it. <laughs> you gotta put on a different voice, because this is Lewis. Okay. Hmm. I would put on the, the voice of uh, Kermit's evil twin Constantine from Muppets Most Wanted, but I forget what he sounds like at the moment. So, um, Kermit the Frog. I'll just... Here. Oh, no, oh, no, he was Kermit, but Russian. Um, ah. This isn't a PR piece for LexCorp, Morgan. <laughs> Just pointing out that your super friend isn't the only one doing hey, good work. Hey, super friends, I get it. I understand yeah. that reference. Lois to Cat. By the way, I'm going to kill my voice. <laughs> Lois to Cat. Kal-El possesses so much potential as an ally of humanity rather than being labeled an enemy. I believe he's a hero. He's he, he's here to help despite what people like Morgan would have you believe. Morgan. <clears throat> Did we already do Morgan's voice? I don't think we've done Morgan's voice. No, Morgan is Edge. Oh, yeah, Morgan's Edge? Yeah, Morgan Edge. That's his name. Okay, okay. <laughs> you say he is here to help, but what has he done? Lex Luthor has poured over $5 billion into the city's infrastructure, giving many impoverished areas a new lease on life, including rebuilding notorious slums like Hobbs Bay. And which is still an, and which is still an enclave of violent criminal organizations which fall under the protection of LexCorp and their lawyers. There is no evidence of that, and you shouldn't concern yourself with slanderous rumors. It isn't a rumor that you and Lex were members of the most notorious gangs ever to come out of Hobbs Bay. It's no secret that life didn't afford Lex and I quite the opportunities that it did you, Miss Lane. But look at Lex now, Cat interjects. Exactly, Cat. Lex Luthor and LexCorp are the real heroes Metropolis needs. <laughs> Not some reckless alien who hides his true intention from the world. Interior living room, Kent Farm continuous. Martha, he does not like you. Clark smiles. Seems like that. Interior, WBGS TV studio continuous. Cat smiles the camera. Well, that's all we have time for. After the break, we will show you exclusive report from our Russian affairs correspondent, Angela Chen. Lois, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And, uh, Morgan, give my regards to Lex. Sure thing. <laughs> it is just Interior Batman living room. <laughs> Interior living room. Kemp Farm continuous. I think she hailed her own. She always does. Why haven't you brought her around lately? Because you both get way too drunk, Hoot Hoot. Indignant. Whatever. You gotta stay the night? Sure. I got a doctor's appointment in the morning anyway. 
Okay, we'll take out the garbage before you leave. Okay, the implications of Superman having a doctor's appointment is like, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Clark kisses his mother on the cheek. Sure, Bob. Interior, WBGS TV studio, continuous. Oh, no. Oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> Lois steps off the stage where Edge is having his microphone removed. Don't feel too bad, Lane. <clears throat> TV uh, is a lot different than sitting behind a laptop. This is where I shine. Have you ever see? Yeah. You see, he does. He does a voice for TV, but oh, not. Oh, I, I see. So just <laughs> like Batman, he right? <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, cool. If you ever get tired of being Luthor's mouthpiece, then maybe you can pursue a career. You'll know. If you keep going, I need to come up with an actual Edge voice. Hold on a sec. You know. <coughs> Sorry. If you keep going after him like this, Lex, might start to take it personal. <laughs> now he sounds like a 1920s to 1930s paparazzo. <laughs> yeah, Shay. Lois looks Edge right in the eyes. I could improve the details of Luthor's aggressive... Emphasizes? Yeah. Aggressive acquisitions of... No, well, now I'm going into comic book guy. Acquisitions, Acquisitions is spelled of, incorrectly, of, by the way. Yeah, it's A-Q-U-I. -A Acquisitions yeah. of rival companies. That doesn't mean I stopped looking. Uh, Brian, that's your line. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, the, it lagged for a second. You're getting the raw, uncut hipster of the nerd experience, by the yes, way. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> well, Shay, that's usually when you should. Usually my sources that's don't end up... That's usually when you should. <laughs> usually my sources don't end up dead. Life can be a fragile thing, Miss Lane. Smiles. Take care. Edge leaves. Lois, agitated. Hmm. Hey, who... Self-important asshole. <laughs> she removes her cell phone from her pocket and turns it on. She has a text from Clark. Text in Kansas, sleeping over. Of course. Young man, uh, OS. Miss Lane. Oh, it's Jimmy Olsen, so I need to come up with a Jimmy Olsen voice. Unless you want to be Jimmy. Oh, wait, but you're already voicing Lois, so I should voice Jimmy Olsen, right? All right uh, okay, if, if, you if, think if, that's you wanna, fair. if you want to do that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Miss <clears throat> <clears throat> Lane. Lois looks up from her phone and sees Jimmy Olsen, a 21-year-old photographer from the Daily Planet. Definitely not like Peter Parker. He's bright-eyed, <laughs> enthusiastic, and awkward. Jimmy, nervous. Mr. <clears throat> Yo, uh, Mr. White sent me down here to meet you. She looks at him, confused. I'm Jimmy. Jimmy Olsen, the new photographer. A flash of recognition crosses Lois's eyes. Right. Jenny's brother. I remember now. So they were gonna do... So Jenny Olsen was gonna be a thing. I knew it. I fucking knew yes. it. <laughs> Jimmy follows her peri periodically skipping to keep up with her stride. Why are you even here? <clears throat> Mr. White sent me because you turned your phone off, and I was told you not to say anything bad about Lex Luthor. Hold on a sec. I need to come up with a different voice. Okay. California I mean, I was, surfer I, dude. 
I, I was gonna do like Fozzie. Whoa, man! Whoa, man! Mr. White sent me because you turned your phone off, and I was to tell you not to say anything bad about Lex Luthor, which I didn't because I left my damn ID at home, and they wouldn't let me pass the lobby. Lois smiles at him. Jimmy continued, They had to call the planet, and by the time I got here, Calabunga dude, hold on a sec, they had to call the planet, and by the time I got here, you'd already said some stuff. Oh. Next time then. Awkward silence. So now what, bro? <laughs> I'm going home. Like, man, I could drive you. My car is outside. I can get home by myself. I was just asking because it's late and all for safety, you know. I don't need a bodyguard, Jimmy. Wait, now this this has gone from surfer dude to 1930s fop. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stick with 1930s fop. Because it, it went from surfer dude to shaggy to 1930s fop. I was just asking because it's light and all for safety, you know. I don't need a... I don't need a bodyguard, Jimmy. It's Metropolis, not Gotham. Exterior, Gotham City, night. Gotham City is a vast urban sprawl. Skyscrapers cast shadows of the decrepit slums that surround its wealthy inner hub. Exterior street, Gotham City, night. Carrie, a 21-year-old redhead in thick Whoa, frame well, glasses. Whoa, wait a second. They were going to do Carrie Kelly? Yes. Holy shit! <laughs> Who's Carrie Kelly? Carrie Kelly is the Robin from Dark Knight Returns. The, the female one. Oh. He really... Zack Snyder really wanted to make a Dark Knight Returns movie, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Uh, Thick Frame Glasses walks alone down the dark Gotham street. She's frustrated. Her phone is dead, and it's beginning to rain. A cab passes by. She raises her hand to hail it. Hey. Hey. It doesn't stop. Asshole. She checks her phone. God damn it. She hears something, a noise from up ahead. She pauses, scanning the area for any sign of danger. There's nothing, just silence. After a moment, she looks to her phone again. On its screen, she sees a flash of movement. She looks up, but before she can react, she is snatched by an unseen assailant. Interior, abandoned theater, continuous. Two men in dirty orange jumpsuits drag Carrie, who is kicking and struggling into the trash-strewn abandoned theater, which is lit by a solitary light. In the theater, five other men in identical jumpsuits huddled by that stage beneath a six-man with rows of notched carved into his exposed torso, torso, who sits upon a chair on the stage and looks like a king on his throne. This is the second time they mentioned king on his throne. Yeah. This is serial murderer Victor Zaz. Hey, Victor Zaz. I don't know who that is. He was in, he was in Birds of Prey. Okay. Oh, and these are his acolytes. Mm. The five men par part as Carrie is thrown roughly to the ground in front of the stage. Zaz looks down on her with madness filled his eyes. His acolyte grin giggle and drool at their master's step off of the stage and approach the young Gothamite. Carrie continued frightened, whispering, Please don't do this. Zaz smiles. Saliva drips down his chin as he kneels and leans in close, close enough for her to recoil from his foul breath. Pick a Zash voice. All right. Voice. You are whispering. My students didn't bring you here to whisper. <laughs> Carrie's eyes bug out when she sees the razor-sharp dagger Zaz produces and brings it up to her chin. No matter. You'll scream. Nicks her cheek. Soon enough. Carrie kicks her legs at the amused serial killer. She is restrained by the acolytes. Screams. Somebody help me, please. Good. Zaz. Good, good. He licks the blood of the blade. That's a start. 
Acolyte number one notices something above him. He looks up before he can make out what it is. He pull he is pulled from the floor that and disappears into the darkness above. <clears throat> Pardon me. Zaz and his acolyte trees. Wham! Crack! Acolyte one wails in pain before being slammed down into the ground hard. He lays there unconscious and bloodied. A shape descends from the darkness above them. Acolytes two and three have no time to react. Acolytes two's knee is blown out over as Acolytes 3's jaw is shattered by a devastating blow. Holy shit! Both me crumble to the ground. Acolyte 4 swings an iron bar at the shadowy figure. No, swings and iron bar. <laughs> yes. And the and the bar is slammed into his sternum. He falls to the floor, clutching his chest. Acolyte 5 tries to run, but the bar impacts him across his back savagely, and he falls to the floor. The dark figure steps into light. Carrie scurries backwards against the wall and sees a symbol, black against gray, a bat. Standing above the beaten and crippled bodies is Ga Gotham's guardian, the Dark Knight, the Batman. Not gonna lie, this his, is kind of hype. His eyes narrow as he focuses on his prey, Zaz. He steps forward. Acolyte 6 and 7 pull their blades in attack. 6's arm is snapped like a twig. He tries to scream but can't as his face is smashed into the concrete floor. 7 swings widely and the Batman effortlessly dodges every attack with grace and speed. His reply is crushing. Two brutal strikes to the jaw and finished by a stomach-churning kick to the cut, which sends Seven down hard. Zaz shouts, STAY WHERE YOU ARE! Zaz holds Carrie close, his blade against her throat. You move and I open her up. Batman stands motionless, silent. Zaz smiles as he presses the knife against her skin. Light glitters across the blade. Carrie whispers to Batman, Please. A razor-sharp batarag appears in Batman's hand. Help! Carrie continued. Batman throws his weapon. His aim is accurate, and it slices across the meat of Zaz's shoulder, cutting him deeply. He screams, taking the blade away from Carrie's neck. She elbows him in the chest and stumbles forward, holding her throat. Batman catches her. Zaz clutches her his mutilated shoulder and flees the theater. Carrie looks into Batman's cold, emotionless eyes. Her hand slowly comes away from her throat. She's cut, but superficially. He lets her go and follows Zaz out of the theater. She stands silent, watching him in awe. Exterior street, Gotham City continuous. Zaz runs towards a parked van. He opens the driver's side door and gets inside. Sitting slumped in the passenger seat is a dead man. His throat has been cut. In the back of the van are two more acolytes, each with machine guns. Acolyte 8. What happened? The bat. They exchanged worried glances. Zaz starts the engine and slams his foot on the gas. The van tears off down the street. Batman appears and produces a grappling gun from his utility belt. He aims at the van and fires. The hook embeds in the van's rear doors. Batman retracts the line as he is pulled off his feet toward the van. He lands on the back of the van and flips onto the roof. Interior, van, moving, continuous. Zaz realizes that Batman is on the roof. Zaz shouts to Acolytes. He's on the roof! The acolytes open fire through the roof of the van. Exterior van moving, street continuous. Bullets rip through the van's roof. Batman narrowly avoids the gunfire. He presses a button in his utility belt. Interior, darkened alleyway continuous. The alleyway is, a pinch, is pitch black until the growl of a powerful engine is accompanied by the illumination of two headlights. Interior van moving, continuous. The acolytes are reloading. Zaz. Why won't he die? <laughs> Batman slams down onto the hood and plants a small explosive on the windscreen. 
It detonates and the screen shatters. Batman grabs Zaz by the throat. The acolytes fire on the dark night. The bullets tear through his cape. Batman releases Zaz and runs up onto the roof as the acolytes fire at him through the roof. Zaz grips his neck and looks into the side mirror and sees headlights in the distance behind him, coming up fast. Exterior street, Gotham City, continuous. Closing in, the van engine growling is an armored black car. This is the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. Batman jumps from the van and lands on top of his car as its doors swing open and he jumps inside. Zaz picks up speed. The rear doors swing open and both acolytes open fire on the Batmobile. Their bullets ricochet off the vehicle's armored exterior. Zaz takes a sharp corner. Acolyte 8 loses his balance and falls in the van. He slams into the asphalt and rolls limping, limply down the street. The Batmobile swerves hard to avoid running over a downed Acolyte. Acolyte number 9, unperturbed, continues to fire upon the Batmobile. Suddenly, the Batmobile turbo boosts <coughs> and overtakes Zaz's van. Wait, you actually like this story? Okay, this scene is like actually... Surprisingly a lot better than the introduction of Batman in the movie. It's genuinely an actually good scene. <laughs> Interior van moving continuous. Zaz watches as the Batmobile passes him and vanishes into the night. His eyes bulge as ahead of him the Batmobile has come to an abrupt halt. He slams on the brakes. Exterior street, Gotham City continuous. Zaz's van hits the armored Batmobile hard and jackknifes over it and crashes. The van skids along the tarmac, sending sparks flying, coming to a halt. After a moment, the van door creaks open and Zaz crawls out, bloody and groggy. He stands, leans against the van, and steadies himself. Wham! The sound of fist against flesh reverberates behind him. Zaz turns. The Batman stands by the ruined van, holding the unconscious acolyte number nine by the throat. He releases his grip, and the acolyte falls to the ground. The Dark Knight marches forward, his fist clenched. Zaz pulls his blade and attacks. With lightning speed, the killer smashes and stabs at Batman. The Dark Knight dodges and parries before grabbing the killer's forearm. Batman, calm. <laughs> Two men. <laughs> he breaks Zaz's arm. The killer screams. Batman continued angry. Full women. He punches Zaz. Nah, I should come up with a different voice for Batman. Now, what if I actually try to do my best what I think Batman. Uh. Uh. <clears throat> Two. Nah, I should do a funny voice. It should be like, um. Two men. He breaks Zaz's arms. The killer screams. <laughs> Four women. <laughs> he punches Zaz's stomach. Batman just can't stop laughing. That's my that's my interpretation of so Batman. So Batman is the Joker? <laughs> no. He punches Zaz in the stomach, sending him to his knees coughing. <laughs> Five children. <laughs> he cracks him across the jaw. Zaz laughs and smiles through cracked bloodstained teeth. Zaz. Coughs. Six. <clears throat> Six children. Batman's eyes filled with hate. He snatches Snaz's windpipe and begins to squeeze. In a frenzy, he starts to rain down. Rain. He starts to rain down blows. One, okay, two, three, I, I need. Arm, I need to be this next character. His arm is grabbed and yanked back. Man, that's enough. Batman spins around and finds himself face to face with a man, mid twenties, masked and dressed in black, and a dark blue bird symbol on his chest. This is Dick Grayson. Former Robin, now Nightwing. Fuck yes! Nightwing's in this! Nightwing's serious. He goes back in cuffs, not a coffin. Batman unclenches his fist and looks down at Zaz's bloody and swollen face. Batman drops him. The serial killer still emits soft laughter through his busted teeth. 
Sirens can be heard. Batman pulls his arm free of Nightwing's grip and marches toward the Batmobile. Nightwing watches him leave and departs before the GCPD arrive on the scene. Exterior, rooftop, tall building, Gotham, later. Batman stands on top of the rooftop, looking out into Gotham. Wayne Tower can be seen in the distance. Nightwing. This has to stop. Nightwing drops down onto the roof behind him and removes his mask. The former allies face each other. Batman, unrepellent. Well, you know... Uh, uh, it, it was, uh, it was, it was less than he deserved. Oh, so he's Jeff Goldblum now. Okay. Yes, yes. My Batman is Jeff Goldblum. I'm trying to... Points his finger accusingly. You don't get to decide that. This is... No, you should, you should do the most whiny voice possible to make fun of Batman and Robin. No, 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 no. Because I want to do, I want to do Nightwing right. Because I... You don't get to do that. Um, <laughs> this is well, not what, what I should do, do. What I should do is, um, I was trying to do Neil Patrick Harris because he was a Nightwing in Under the Red Hood. Like, yes. Uh, let me. I'm trying to. Hmm, blah, 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 uh, yeah. Legend. Wait for it. Dairy. You don't get to mm. decide that. This is not what we do. Uh, it's it's always what I've done. Uh, Bullshit. What happened to the man who would think things through before beating someone to a pulp? Batman emotionless. Uh, he he was weak. Uh, uh, lacked conviction. So you're just going to keep this up until what? You kill someone? Or yourself? Batman doesn't answer. We're not with you anymore. Not Gordon. Not Barbara. Oh, back up. Sooner or later, the law is going to come after you. Batman turns to leave. Uh, I'll be ready for that. Uh, Nightwing, coldly. Or I will. Batman, cold. Uh, you do what uh, you have to do. Maybe if you did what you had to, Jason would still be here. Batman stops and spins around angry. Uh, you have no right. I have every right. I tried. You failed. Batman has no answer. Nightwing regains his composure. What you're doing won't change that. Stop. Before it's too late. You don't belong out here anymore, Bruce. Nightwing leaves. Batman is left alone to ponder his former friend's accusations. Okay, I just want to point out. That one scene between Batman and Nightwing is better than anything in any of the other Batman movies ever. Yeah, why is why this is the, Why the was this not in the movie? This is so good! <laughs> he walks to the edge of the rooftop and removes his... Like, th when we started this, this was a joke. Like, we this thought this joke, would be bad. But, like, this is, like, an actually good... Why didn't they use this script? I don't know. I, I'm guessing it's Warner Brothers. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah. If, if I had to guess, it's Warner Brothers. Like, oh, the, the audiences aren't going to know who Nightwing is. Like, lots of rewrites, studio mandates, or something. Yeah. I, w I would I love mean, to see, like, this version of the script as as something. Like, he, he walks to the edge of the rooftop and removes his cowl, revealing the face of Bruce Wayne. He's in his early 40s, but doesn't look a day beyond 35, except for his eyes, which are old beyond his years. The eyes of a war veteran who has seen too many horrors. He looks at his blood-stained fist solemnly. I'd also like to point right. out that that previous scene was just able to do, like, you know, broken Batman without having him murder people. Right. And now that we're 30 pages in, I think this is a good time to stop. I thought we were going to do 50. Well, again, uh, the thing is, though, is that um, my voice is starting to hurt from doing the edge voice. <laughs> Well, so, that's, that's, that's your own fault. So the concept of this idea was that we would stop partway through, and then whenever we need a break emergency glass episode, we would continue this. Yeah. 
And uh, by the way, uh, so our thoughts so far, this was surprisingly good. Yeah, this is actually like if you were so, like this in terms of like, it, like it's melodramatic. It's obviously not a finished script. Yeah, like there's there's th- like there's typos and shit like that. But in terms of overall story and main dialogue, this is kind of great. I mean, I like, feel like the TV scene went on a little bit long the with TV the exposition. A little long, but like, uh, like yeah. the, the all the Batman stuff, fucking fantastic. Like, I mean, yeah, like, and and in this version also, Batman doesn't explicitly kill anyone. Yeah. he's just starting to brutalize people more, which makes which, mo- uh, which I think works better. In right. The long run. Then, like, yeah, because Batman going so far as to kill people is not just him going too far; it's him becoming something that isn't his character yeah. really and whereas him brutalizing people is him at the edge and you it's know? also like this like in t- if they wanted batman v superman to be like an introduction to the overall like dc cinematic universe like actually having them interact with other characters like superman dealing with atlanteans at the beginning batman you know interacting with nightwing with and Terry kelly and even and introducing and, all these other characters and, and, like robert Zaz. and victor Zaz. Is a much yeah, better way to do it, it than just have Wonder Woman check her email before the title fight happens and watch a bunch of QuickTime video. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that like, in in the movie, the world building felt really really clunky, but in this, it's, naturally it's just a script in... that takes place in the DC universe, yeah. and it feels more organic the way that like, like it... the characters interact and how they're introduced, like. I could definitely see a pan shot from, like, Batman after that fight scene to Nightwing, and it'd be a big oh-shit moment, especially yeah. if they kept it secret. Yeah, you know? especially, you know, if they didn't put it in the trailers and be like, oh, shit, Nightwing's in the movie! Oh, and this shit. is also a way to like, keep Robin in the story while also killing off the first yeah. Robin. Well, well, no, not the first Robin, the second Robin, because Dick Grayson's right. the first Robin. Um, right, right. And, yeah, it's all, and it also integrates that death better, because in the movie it's kind of a very you be- it's kind of a deep lore thing. Like you have to like pay attention to notice that Robin's been killed yeah. or like read between the lines. Whereas in this, it's very explicit, and I, I and we, it's part of Batman's arc. It's, yeah, it's it's actively ex- part of his arc as opposed to being sort of part of his arc in the right. final film. And wow, I'm I'm I did not expect to be this mad that they didn't use this version. <laughs> yeah, this is this is surprisingly good. So Chris, um. We'll do this again some sometime, uh, maybe months from now or years. We will continue this. It will, uh, but what are we doing next week, Chris? Yeah, uh, next week in an episode that will hopefully go a lot smoother than the process <laughs> for, uh, for this episode. We're watching Invincible. Yes, we are covering the you know critically acclaimed R-rated superhero series Invincible. I'm very excited to talk about this, um, and I hope and I hope the rest of you are too. Um, in the meantime, this has been Hipster and the Nerd, and we do this every week. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, a whole bunch of other platforms, uh, pretty much all your major podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice five-star review. Uh, spread the word on social media. Share it with all your friends. Uh, hashtag Hipster and the Nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. Uh, I am Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd or on my WordPress page, Mega Nerds Musings, where you can find both Amphibia and Owl House fanfiction and eventually other things. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Brian, where can they find you? You can find me in uh, Inside Your Hearts and Minds uh, getting 
uh, too emotionally invested in a version of this story that never happened. <laughs> or you can find me on uh, Twitter at Brian Brecker. Or you can find me on Letterbox at bbreck2. Or you could find me... Stalking the Knights of Gotham City. Aw, shit, son. I'm Batman. Batman. All right. All right. This has been Snipster in yeah, the Blur. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> we will see you next time. Next time. All, all right. Yeah, mate.